Welcome back, everybody, to Surviving Hollywood Podcast. My name's Austin. My name's Aaron. I'm Johnny. And uh, this little guy right here just uh, came home with me today. And uh, I think this guy's going to be Charlie, my new buddy. Uh, 11 months. I love it. 11, 11 months old, and he won't I'm, stop looking at me. I'm going to break quarantine just to come over to pet that dog. There you go. Um, well, anyway, uh, today on the podcast, we had a special guest, Sophia Banks, who's a uh, commercial and film director. Uh, her short film, Unregistered, played at Tribeca, and she got signed with CAA. So I thought that was pretty cool. It was a great film. We all watched it. Uh, I definitely understand why. It, uh, I don't know if it won, but it got into Tribeca. Her personality comes across to me as very uh, super friendly and casual, but also very experienced and confident. What did you guys think? Yeah. I thought she was really cool. I was surprised that her accent was like almost not noticeable. You know it what was, I mean? I heard it a couple of times, but you're a right. A little bit, but not too much. But uh, it was kind of cool hearing her talk about how just after it played, you know, people were coming up to her after the festival, showing interest in potentially making it into a TV series. Um, and she kind of, one of the big things, big things that she kept saying is that like, it's really all about just making a quality product and getting it out to as many people as you can to see it. Um, and that's really the way to, to get signed. Cause she didn't even have an agent before that. I expect big things from her, even bigger things, you know, because she's like hoping she gets picked up a few TV shows, various stages of development, hoping to get picked up by networks or cable or whatever, but Keep an eye but on her. If you guys out there are filmmakers on any sense and you want to understand how she got into Tribeca and CAA, then make sure you watch to the very end of this podcast. See, we're, making, we're making you move furniture. It's fine. I, I moved it several times and then I was like, all right, good. Guys, okay. she is a she is a director. She loves forming the picture. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, all right, all right hold on. Yeah, I normally get my lamp out there. Okay. There we go. This is a little better. The light switch is bothering, but you know what? This all all work. I've got to do. I yes. was I was assuming you'd have an accent. Like uh aren't you from Australia? New New Zealand? Australia, yep. But too much uh, directing in uh, America and um, acting class has uh, given me not much of an accent, you know. Uh, nice. Interesting. I was gonna. I was. I was wondering about that too because I could tell a little bit, but not really. I, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, there's a bit. Like when you, when I speak, you'll hear some words and stuff like that too. Gotcha. Do you do Do you do acting class just to be a better director, or do you do it because you enjoy the craft? No, I did it. Um, I did it when I was young, when I didn't know what I wanted to be, because I knew I wanted to be a director, but in Australia, that's not really like a regular career that anyone wants. So the thing I had access to was like photography and acting. So, but I never, once I was, once I found out you could be a director, I was like, oh yeah, that's way better. <laughs> but um, I did it for, and then I just did it because I thought it was like good for training on how to speak to actors and that sort of stuff. Wait, why is it, why is uh, there no directing track in Australia? Well, like when I, you know, so like when I was like eight or 15, you know, I grew up in outside Sydney. It's not a common job. It's like, oh, okay. sort of like it's a very, um, 
you know, it's just not something that anyone brings up. It's something that happens in Hollywood. It's not practical. We, and we have a lot of good Australian actors, but I think, you know, this is like 25 years ago or something. Um, you know, it's just not something that is easily accessible. And it's not like they offer film classes or stuff like that at school, but they always offer acting classes. From a director's point of view, how do you feel about Crocodile Dundee? You know, um, I think it's like one of those things, like a classic Australian story. I know like Ridley Scott loves Muriel's Wedding, which I actually, I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's like an Australian movie, which I rewatch, which I think is great. But I mean, I remember, you know, I haven't watched it in a long, long time. So I was very young when it came out. And I think you're like, yes. Australia. (laughs) I think it's good. I was just wondering if, uh, you know, an Australian thought maybe it was like bad, but uh, I think it's good. No, I think it's just like, uh, I don't know, maybe how you guys feel about like Team America or something. It's like funny. (laughs) Yeah, funny. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It gave Americans a perspective of what Australians are like, right? Totally. I mean, that's like my backyard. (laughs) That's not a knife. This is a knife. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, I mean, I was really, really young. I feel like it fits well in the genre of like the 80s and 90s movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Sorry, are you in LA right now or? No, I'm in Florida, actually. Okay. Are you kind of just held up in this whole thing right now or what do yeah, you have to do over okay. there? No, I was here and then just, I'm sort of stuck. Oh, okay. Well, and the weather's nice. So I'm like, okay. And they're loose on their social distancing down in Florida. Yeah, and you know what? It was just the spring breakers that gave everyone a bad PR. Yeah. But it may open first, so we'll see, you know? But I I, um, I sort of was down here before California got shut up. So I've just, now I'm like, how do I get back? Do I drive? Do I do, you know, so. Oh, uh, okay. Where Were you shooting? Taking? Were you shooting or just um, for fun? I'm, uh, um, no, I was down here for fun. I'd just been shooting. I shot like nine commercials this year already. And um, yeah. Nice. That's where the real money's at, right? Yeah, exactly. So I literally had shot back to back to back and I was about to go shoot three more back to back. So I was just taking a few days. I know they're like your children, but what, what was yeah. one of the favorites? Um. I just shot in the Ukraine, um, uh, like a commercial, and um, it was for Nestle, and it was this amazing, hold on one second, I'm doing a live podcast, remember? Yeah, 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 sorry, I'm gonna go, I've got five people here, okay? I'll be done in an hour. Sorry, <laughs> That's okay, sorry. Bring, bring them on, sorry. it's okay. Is that your hostage? That's my, that's my poor 10-year-old daughter. The, this, is the, this is how it goes during uh, filming. Um, so basically, um, it was really fun because it had a lot of VFX, which is something I love working with. And I got to help create the story. And we built these amazing sets. And um, one of the things I love about filmmaking is where you have to like figure stuff out. So we wanted um, this girl to look like she was falling down like a Tim Burton style kind of funnel. So we're like, okay, how are we going to make that work? So we built a rig that we lay her on and moved her around and sort of had the camera drop like that. Mm. And something I hadn't done before. And I love doing stuff like that where you're like, okay, let me just figure it out. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, now, talk, talking about VFX, uh, the short, Unregistered, 
Um, loved we, it. All, we all loved it. We thought it was okay. great. And um, we noticed the effects. Acting yeah, was great. The, the world was great. Uh, the story was great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah tell, us, tell us about those VFX. So, I'm, well, I'm a big fan of sci-fi and like Alien, Blade Runner, you know, all this sort of stuff. So, um, I worked with a great company, Ingenuity, and, um, but one of the things I love is world building. So, I helped design all those buildings. I was inspired by an architect I love called Zaha Hadid. Um, and so, I helped like design that landscape and everything. But I'm a big fan of practical and... CGI mixed together yeah. so on this great location. And it really is the only thing that I, in my opinion, makes visual effects work. Cause you need something practical in there to create the lighting sauce on. And then like a foundation sort of. Yeah. It just it adds to it and like Nolan and Ridley and all those sort of guys are huge fans of that. So um, yeah, it had, I think it had like 160 VFX shots. Um, wow. But because of doing commercials, you know, I was able to like work out a deal um, with them and um, sort of built the world. But if you remember, which is also in the trailer, the shot where they come out and they're in the future, mm. that was like the first thing that I saw in my head. So that's like where it started. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, and that's I don't remember of, that shot. I remember they were, all, it was all the future to me. They were so like, when they're in the grass and they come out yeah, of the dome. They walk. There's this huge crane. I'm a big fan of the crane. I love a crane. I get very excited every time there's a crane on my set. So um, <laughs> I always how, try and have a crane. So how did, a crane shot. How did you even like learn to do all those uh, VF, VFX? So one of the benefits, I think, of being female in the film industry is no one, especially... 10 years ago, no one believes you know anything technical. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. So I went to visual effects school. I actually went to Noman, studied a bunch of visual effects. Um, and what then, kind of program is that? How many um, years? I just took like, so you, I didn't do like the full two year program because I was doing it while directing, but I took like all the, the kind of units until you get up to like, basic compositing and Meyer and stuff like that. Cause once you start to go, you know, down that rabbit hole. Well, um, I look at your work and it looks to me like a hundred percent professional. It looks real like the world. Cause yeah. you, you know, but like, so you don't even need to go to school for two years. And if you're good enough, you can learn how to do that. Yeah. You just like, I feel like uh, directing as you know, and everything is such a deep, there's so much to know, you know what I mean? And you always have to be learning. So um, I feel like it's just always learning. I always get the Cineflex magazines, you know, those Cineflex mm. magazines, they're amazing um, magazine and they have um, breakdowns of all the films and stuff. And then I just sort of found a great mentor who um, works at the motion picture company who was like willing to, you know, we'll get online and break down different movies and stuff like that because really I wanted to see what was done. But Stan Winston, if you know, um, who he is, he's one of the first kind of creators of visual effects and the practical stuff. So I basically sort of studied his way because I wanted to, I decided, you know, that I really love the use of practical effects. I feel like that really differentiates you. You know, anybody can do a, hopefully you already differentiate yourself in general if you have a great short and great acting, but plus you have the great effects. Yeah, no, I love like the VFX and I love, that's what, I mean, that's what I want to do is big sci-fi movies and action movies. So that's really what I, 
like to do. And I'm actually just in the process right now of finishing up a new short. Um, the proxy. Well. Yeah, exactly. And sort of working to pitching that for a TV show. So, which is cool. So for our audience at home, uh, tell us what Unregistered is about. Okay, so it's uh, a love story set in the future, um, in a future America where you can only have one child because they're trying to sort of conserve resources for the society, which seemed further then than it does now. Um, but it's a lot of government control and then it's sort of a, a love story and a twist involving that. Where did the, uh, the idea come from? Um, I'm like, so I had a, I'm very into like a kind of using sci-fi to sort of show out political messages. Um, and I had a grandmother who went through the Holocaust. So I've always been interested in like the Nazi regime and how they came to power. So it's sort of like a mix of that. Um, and also like the one child policy in China and right. like, where does the government control become too much and when does it start to effect and usually like the communist regime regimes like the nazi regimes they'll always go for the family like one of the ways that if you want to control society is they'll try and put limits on the on the family you know whether it's like the hilly cults do huh that's what cults do as well yeah but it's like breaking up that family unit so that's like a big um kind of thing so i just was interested in that and then just was like, what would it be like to live in this future? And um, just sort of a, a new, like talking about freedom, you know, it's really a story about freedom. So what do you think about, do you think the government for like people in Los Angeles and where you are and everywhere, should the government be able to tell us to stay in our homes? Is that a power the government should have or no? You know, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I'm not an expert on on this, but well, I- you, you seem to me like you, err on the side of don't give the government that power, just generally speaking. I mean, I look, I'm a big fan of the Declaration of Independence, right? It's Who isn't? this country amazing. And if you go back and look at the principles, like the only thing that separates, and I, I'm now a full American citizen, so I've studied mm -hmm. and got my passport and all that sort of stuff. The thing that is really different about this country is the government works for us. So the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence gives us the power, the people, we the people, you know, have the power. And that, that isn't the case with any other constitution in the world. So I think it's just always good for the people to have the power, you know what I mean? And be, it's not just like you elect the guy and then he does his own thing. They, you know, back in the day, um, Jefferson, all those guys, they would check in with their people and that's what they would do, you know? So um, I think that that balance needs to be maintained. I like it. So what, you're what, so what you're saying is don't wear a mask, go outside. That's what I'm hearing. No, that's what I'm, I, hearing. I, I that's what I'm hearing. I think you have to protect lives and do certain things, you know what I mean? Just um, it's just yeah. a slippery slope given the government that power. Yeah, and I think like what I'm not sure about is like this whole like tracking on your phone if you've been part of like with the coronavirus. like you're, you know, it's definitely opening the door and stuff. I, I'm not an expert like to say, oh yeah, we should just let everyone roam free, you know, because I think that isn't like necessarily judging by that. And I think, you know, there are people getting sick and that sort of stuff. But, you know, I do hope that we're able to let people out, you know, soon and um, 
and sort of like keep the social distancing and keep it from okay. so safe, maybe keep different age groups and things you know away so i think it should be judged by the numbers you know right so i don't have enough data on the actual like numbers to say either way but i don't want it to open the door like 9-11 did on the Patriot Act. Oh, so I think, of course. you know what I mean? Like it's more about what does it open the door to, to doing? We're still fighting those terrorists 20 years later. Are we winning? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's just that reminder, you know what I mean? If all the people want to stay locked up and that's great, but it has to be, it's the people's power, you know, not the right. government. So the short itself, it didn't really touch on this necessarily. It kind of just threw us into this world. Um, what is the backstory? Did something happen in the world that now there's a reason why that there's a centralized government that's now limiting the number of children you can have? Is what happened before? Yeah. So um, to be expanded on, and what we hope is the TV show. So we're in final kind of talks on that. Is basically um, so twenty years in the future, basically like food shortage becomes a problem, and so like with all global warming and crises and stuff. Um, there's major like food destruction and that sort of stuff. So a third party comes into rise in America called the conservative party and they um, get into power and then they, there's like all this disaster. They declare a state of emergency and they're like, oh, we're going to let the people vote, but it's a continual state of emergency. So then no one can vote anymore. And they, they sort of say, oh, we're just going to have one child for a minute to conserve because we can't afford for everyone to have two children but now it's like 18 years and they've been saying that and no one's voted in america for 18 years either because it's a continual state of emergency so essentially a dictator has like got hold of the control interesting yeah. by the way austin and i are uh, twins and i was the second born so i guess i would have been the uh you would have been that you would have yeah the one they got rid of yeah or now uh when 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 you made this sophia did you make it and maybe this is a dumb question but make it with the intention of this let's get this into tribeca let's get rep by caa was that the goal initially no i think the goal was just like being inspired by people like neil Blom blomkart other people when i was like you know i could make an indie film but i really want to make like big 20 30 40 million dollar movies so people I've seen who, Matt Reed, you know, people have done shorts that went on to do um, features. And originally it was to be a feature. And then I think when it came out, we just had so much interest in TV that we sort of like developed it into a Bible and, and that sort of story. And that's sort of what's being um, going around now. So. And where is it right now? On what stage? Or um, We have like really good interest in a TV show. So although interestingly enough, uh, just with this whole situation because it sort of reminded me more I was like oh maybe I should work on the feature so I've been back working on that as well yeah now now after Tribeca um, first of all how was it received and how did things change for you after it got into that festival yeah it was really it was a great festival I love them there I was really happy because I feel like um New York and Tribeca is a great place they love sci-fi so they're super interested and so that was really good and it definitely opened a lot of doors and um, obviously I got my great agents and um, well, how did that happen how did you get those agents um, it actually happened before Tribeca because you're CAA yeah. right CAA. yeah and I love they're the best I love them um, and so um, 
what happened is I finished it in November, October, I mean, December when I submitted it. So last year to Tribeca and I sent it to a couple of people and it just got around really fast within agents and they reached out to me. Oh, wow. And I was like, yes, great. Were you not, when they reached out to you, were you like, well, what can you do for me? Was that the conversation? (laughs) Sorry guys. A lot of offers here. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I had a lot of interest with management too, which I think, um, but I think I was just looking like I'm a very sort of like, I wanted a good fit and it just happened that I, I right off the bat was like, I love these guys. They're great. You know? Are are there any, um, major differences, obviously besides the people they know, but like just major differences going from mid-level agency representation to CAA? I just went, I didn't have an agent and I went right there. So I'm spoiled. Damn. So I don't know, but um, I love them. They're amazing. So, and I will be with them for life. So Whoa. they're really, really, really great. And um, so, and I think that it just is sometimes, you know, sometimes you have those relationships where you just click and you're like, great, this is good, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So just for the folks at home, because the majority of our audience is up and coming filmmakers. Yeah. Was it, it was just because you created a quality piece of work. Yeah. But, and did you, but did you know somebody, a friend of a friend to make those initial connections or? Someone, I, I did what I did just because I tried to, I was like, okay, good. I'm going to share this because it's still like password protected. So I couldn't have it going out on the internet, but I was going to share it with people in the industry. And I totally had a few people that knew people, but I, I didn't like try and get it to those people. Um, but I was very, like, I randomly emailed like directors I didn't know that maybe I never got responses but I had the I was like because you know the first step like if you think of your audience like obviously when you're a first filmmaker and you're making a shot your first audience is like agents and producers right and festivals and then you know you make a movie and your audience is the people so I knew um that who my audience was and then I did everything I could to get it to them and I feel like you can find people's emails and as I said I just like I definitely sent it to like you know 50 100 like I was like great I'll just get it out there and that happened you know and you just asked for their input like hey I would love your feedback yeah just like a really nice I mean genuine people that I admired like hey I admire your work I'm sure you're super busy if you have a chance like check this out you know what I mean like I wrote it you know, like there are some sci-fi directors, like I was really inspired, you know, you just, I feel like if you're always like friendly and honest, which is true, then you get like good responses, whether people watch it or not, you're not like, you know, so, um, so that's, was kind of my approach. I think also- you have to be fearless in putting yourself out there because like you just sort of have to go for it and kind of like not care what anyone thinks or if someone's like, why are you emailing me? You're just like, I'm just right, always right. like, Hey, I'm so sorry. just thought you might be interested. Totally get it. Cool. Like you just have to not care. Right now for the, now the short obviously looks really good. Uh, especially the effects. Did you have funding for it already in place? Like how did that happen? Um, well, I put some money in and I got a funding, but because I do commercials, I worked with people that I'd worked with for commercials. Like I did again with proxy where you're like, cool, give me a deal on this one. And I see. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Oh, and how important would you say is it to have a star name as one of the, one or two of the leads in your film? Because you had well, the star was the, the male lead, right? He was the guy on Blackish. Yeah, and 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 Dylan also. I think it's great. Look, um, you know, I, I was listening to a Christopher McQuarrie podcast, right? Because I I think he's such a great writer the other day and he was talking about like Brian Singer and how like the first person he had is Ethan Hawke. Like it's always great, but at the end of the day, you just want good actors, you know? So, so I you would, you would have made the same short with good actors that didn't need to be on a TV show or a star name. Definitely. Whoa. Because at the end of the day, like, here's the thing. The most important thing is getting your products out. Right. So it's just like, you know, even, is it James Cameron, who's just like, pick up a camera, film something, you're a director, right? So a lot of, I think, what uh, people hold themselves back is they're like, um, they, they spend, oh, no, I can't do this till I get this to do this. It's like, okay, fine, make a $500 short. You know, like, I made spec commercials back in the day that were terrible, you know what I mean? But it's just like, I made stuff for a few hundred dollars, you know, and you get your friends over and you film and that sort of stuff. I think you just have to keep doing it because usually the first thing you do is not great, but it's the, it's the, you know, kind of persistence over time. Cause the thing with directing is you can watch and learn and get good with the film language, but until you're on set doing it, you can't really clock up those hours. So I feel like it's good to make it good. And I'll always, like, especially before I'm shooting, do table reads and survey people and like have friends read the script. Like, does this make sense to you? And then in the edit, get people over. I have them do surveys, like more on like, did you understand what's happening? Because I think that's really important. Like, what is your communication? But at the end of the day, way better to shoot nothing than shoot, I mean, to shoot something than nothing, you know? Now the actors in it, did you, did they go through the normal audition process or because I noticed one of them was already with CAA so was it just kind of like a joint package or how did that work no because I didn't sign with CAA until they were done so oh got you okay the, uh the writer who I worked with who's amazing happened to know Trevor and she brought him in um and he was really excited about it so we had him and then we auditioned for the female role and what was that audition process like? Were you there in person every time? I was at my house, a few different people that I'd reached out to. Again, I've sort of like, I think one of the things that's helped me most is I will randomly email people and be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Totally not caring if people don't respond. And from that, I got a few good response. Because it's like, you never know unless you ask, you know? And um and so we got some good responses and and that sort of stuff okay so you didn't go through the traditional like posting it on a breakdown or nothing like that no but i've done that okay. plenty of times for commercials and other stuff you know yeah okay cool and um just to backtrack a little you said you worked you were in acting classes as a director and it helped you learn how to talk to actors maybe you mentioned that for me and myself for me and Aaron and Johnny we're primarily actors and then on the side we make our own short films yeah any uh tips that you picked up like talking to actors that you think separates you I don't know if it separates me because I feel like I, I honestly feel like we well, get great performances 
Yeah, I feel, and I feel like actors, you guys have a really good advantage. That's why I think some of the greatest, like, especially comedy, that's such an improv thing. You have really good directors that are actors, you know, where I, where I feel like, you know, where there's more technical, the action and that sort of stuff. But I mean, this is my own personal thing because I feel like acting is like writing, right? It's, a bit, it's not like cinematography where it's very, like, codified and written down. But I think... Um, you different actors have different styles you know what i mean like some are very internal some just are like they want an external note like do it like this or do it like this so i think it's talking to your actor fine and i always ask them so how are you feeling about this and the character and, and that sort of stuff and you figure out what they need you know like some people need a long backstory they need to know like the, where the character is coming from. Some some are just like good and they're here and you're just, they just like, no, 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 I, I don't want an internal note. I just want to know like, is it a little too much? Do I need to bring it down? So I think it's figuring out what type of actor you have in front of you and what notes will help them to get their performance, you know? And sometimes that's trial and error because you can give a note and you're like, oh no, that's not working. But you can usually figure it out from how an actor talks about, uh, like the character and and what they're sort of thinking about it. Interesting. Now, some of the some of the commercials you've directed are obviously some big some big uh, brand name commercials um, like Pepsi, things like that. Uh, do you enjoy making commercials? What I yeah, what I did what I did notice about well, of course, the paycheck. But what I did notice about some of you, some of your commercials and what I really did like is everything feels so cinematic. You watched your commercials? Yeah. There, I watched a couple. Yeah, there's um, there's just there's such a cinematic quality compared to what you might see on you know your regular TV or things like that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that commercial world and and how you've made yeah. it? You know? Yeah. So again, I think going back to directors that I admired, Fincher, Ridley Scott had come out of the commercial world, and from where I was in Australia, I remember like. It's not like California where you're like, oh yeah, there's a whole movie industry. So that seemed way more accessible for me to get into. It was like, oh, okay, good. It's, it's more kind of um, a way to go. And looking at people like Ridley, like Tony Scott, who I think is amazing. And, you know, you can watch Ridley's commercials and you can see um, him developing Blade Runner on like a visa commercial he shot in South Korea and that sort of stuff. So I was like, you know what? This seems like uh, directors that I admired had taken this path. You can get paid to shoot. Um, and I liked, and you know, music videos. I just love, I mean, I grew up watching MTV. So I liked that craft and I liked the idea of like honing the craft and getting paid to do it. So, so basically for sure, my whole goal with commercials is like, do not hire me if you do not want it to be made cinematic. Like I absolutely nice. like, there's no like flat lighting. There's no, you know what I mean? Like dingy. I, I want people in the same when I go on to make more movies is to know they're watching cinema. Like I want that, that that's what I want. So that's sort of my goal, but I think it's a, it's a fantastic um, way to learn how to shoot on a schedule manage uh, actors, manage clients, you know, which is like managing producers or the studio. And it's super fun because I, as I said, I'm like a sucker for like the crane, the Russian arm. I want all the gadgets. 
and it's great. And every time you shoot something, this is always my viewpoint. I always go into it and I'm like, what kind of toolbox tool can I get for my toolbox? Like, what is something I can learn? There's always learn something, it. always like you're always, you know, like, okay, like we're shooting, you know, as I said, I'm shooting this VFX thing or then like, okay, good. You know, um, I'm shooting something where they're going to the moon or I, you know, done a bunch of stuff with wires now. Like there's always something fun. Um, horses, dogs, children, you know what I mean? So it's good to have all that stuff because you work with animals and children. I mean, yes. When, when I have to, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just good to have all that stuff. And I'm always paying right. for a challenge, but it means like, when you like i just shot this short proxy that's 15 minutes in two days and there's no way i could have done that if i wasn't a com done commercials because i knew how to shut up the schedule and i was like okay good i got three takes per thing good okay good wide shot all right don't spend too long on the wide shot jumping to get the car like those those things that um it's just like boot camp so it's um right yeah i think it's super fun i don't i know some people feel like um oh, I'm selling out because I'm like selling a product. But I mean, they're 30 second or 60 second stories. And I feel like, you know, they even go through, the good ones will go through all three acts in, in 30 or 60 seconds. You can even see the inciting incident, you know, like the first act, the second, the midpoint, you can go through all those points. So it's like a very good way to just sort of get more familiar with your craft. From beginning to end, because for actors, it just usually takes the shooting days. How long does shooting a commercial take for a director? Um, it, you know, it's funny. In America, it takes like two weeks because they you hand the edit off uh, to the agency. Uh, but in Australia and Europe, you stay on for the and Mexico, actually, you stay on for the edit. So sometimes three, four weeks, you know, sometimes longer, like this one I was doing uh, in the Ukraine that was for uh, uh, like an ice cream, brand, Nestle ice cream brand. We were, cause I helped write it with them. It was direct to the client. So we were like working on Skype calls, actually like cast fire Skype to the Ukraine for probably four or five weeks before. So it just depends on the size. But at that same time I was filming two other commercials. So that's when it Is gets it, like, tricky. Do you have a, uh, a DP that you usually shoot with often? Because like you've kind of talked about how like sometimes on set, you learn new skills. Yeah. So like if there's a wire shot you've never done, like I feel like you have to have somebody there that's like, oh, we, I've done this before. This is how we could do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you, well, you bring in, the good thing is like the companies I work with, they're very good at bringing in different people. So yeah, you have like your stunt guy and you have your VFX. I shoot, there's a few DPs that I work with just depending on who's available. But, you know, sometimes you go to a place. So when we were filming in the Ukraine, they wanted me to use from someone from London. And I got to use someone I really wanted to work with for a long time, which is, I, I get like most excited about using an awesome DP. I'm like, yes, because it's amazing. Um, I was about to go film in Mexico with the deep guy who DP'd Roma. Oh, nice. Oh. Well, I mean, as technically Alfonso, but he was- uh, I was going to say, yeah, 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 he was, he the, was the, the eye, right. Yeah, right. but I was like, yes okay good like awesome so that's really fun and exciting because you get to learn you know you get to learn from all these amazing people but yeah you learn and you definitely are hiring like if you have wires you have stunt people and that sort of stuff and you're looking for uh when you work with dps i mean now i do like to work with people i know but if it's a heavy vfx job mm -hmm. then we're looking and the agency will also want to see someone on the reel that has a bunch of that stuff 
as opposed to like something that's more um, dramatic and people driven. So. And I, and I know you said now the short is kind of going through it's like pitching process. Can you, are, are a lot of those meetings getting set up at CAA? Are they kind of helping you out? Like what's, how's that process been like? Cause a lot yeah. of people here are filmmakers and they want to know how to pitch to Netflix or something. Yeah, you, know? you definitely do. Cause I made the mistake before I had an agent of emailing directly and they will not take submissions. So you need an agent or a manager. Um, you just need someone to send it in because you do have to send it. We had some people approach us after the festival also, which has been great. Um, but you, I, I have learned by error that if you email to anyone in the Netflix, HBO and stuff, you will get an email from their legal department back saying they mm. exhibition. So you have to have someone, but I feel like if you have a good, it's just like, if you focus on making a good product, like that's the winning ticket because if it's good like it's not like uh, uh something where it's like oh do they like me do they think i'm this enough like especially as a filmmaker if your thing is good like people recognize it so at the end of the day you know like schmoozing at parties or whatever it's just like you know what just make a good film you send it to people and that that's the ticket that's the only ticket right. you know? i guess the like one of the i hear the the brothers who pitched stranger things they went yeah. to like 13 different studios and they had a good product but like i guess it was hard for somebody to appreciate their vision have you found that um i think it's like i always remind myself on other because i have other shows i'm pitching like that i think uh one of the things with is just persistence so i think getting a good product and then in the pitching stage being persistent i think like if you can put together like a rip reel um like where you take from other films or try and film something for two minutes if you can to show it i think that stuff will help but i think yeah it's like no one thinks it's a good idea until someone else is like oh we need things like this and then all of a sudden you're there you've heard have you heard the story of the um pirates of the caribbean raider no tell He's us australian um oh my god i'm blanking on his name right now jack sparrow uh, uh, no, the writer of the script. Oh, but um, oh, he—I think he had that script for ten years, and he'd go drive it every every that year. That wasn't Shane Black, was it? No, 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 no. Um, I, I ha actually have his email, and um, if you guys, one of you guys can look it up, maybe um, the IMDb. But anyway, he's Australian, and he basically would drive and bring his script every year because he was like they should make a movie based off tad or T tad or terry elliot or rocio is that the first you gotta look at i think you gotta look at the first one in the story by hold on um, that screenplay I'm looking it up right now yeah i'm gonna tell you one second right here yeah go click on um I think because maybe they've written the second. Click on. Uh, do you have IMDb? Oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> okay, hold on. Written by because maybe that's the last one. Now, right now, I'm like, wait. I definitely know it's the true story because they always tell it. At the. Uh, a few people: Ted, Terry, Stuart, Jay. Stuart. Okay, Stuart Beatty. That's it. Right. So he was the original like guy who came up with the idea, and then obviously they brought on another writer. So there he is, Australian. 
course. Um, so basically, I, I don't know if it's seven or 10 years, but he would drive this script and like keep sending it over um, every year, drop it off. And then like, just kept like bugging people and sending it. And then I think about seven years later, some they were sitting around in a Disney meeting and they're like, God, we need to um, come up with some movie around our rides. Who's that guy that keeps dropping off that pirate script? <laughs> What's his name? Can someone dig up the script? And then they read it and they're Whoa. like, oh, this is good. And then he got a phone call. So wow. I think it's also like- And that movie changed the game. Yeah. Yeah, but you gotta like, if he hadn't like put it in front of people's face continuously, then they wouldn't have remembered that. So I think it's like making good stuff and then being top of mind, do you know what I mean? Like, even if people think you're annoying, that's probably a good thing. They're like, at least they remember who you are, you know? True. Yeah. Do you think there's more value in, in would you say making a feature instead of a short though? Because I feel like a lot of times you get, it might get more you know, attention if it's a feature potentially as opposed to a short film. Yeah, I think it depends on what genre. So my genre, I couldn't make a feature because it's like a $40 million. So I wanted sure. to show what 15 minutes of a $40 million could movie could look like. So for me, but I absolutely think um, uh, shooting a low budget feature is like definitely the way to go, especially in like drama, horror, and those genres, for sure. What about comedy? Dark yeah, comedy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Those genres. If you can make something cheap that's a feature, go for it, you know? Do you have any plans to direct anything besides sci-fi? Sci-fi, action, thriller. That's kind of my... That's, that's, that's the wheelhouse. That's the wheelhouse, yeah. So um, I've got a few things that I'm uh, kind of working out, getting attached to and working out the deals on that, and then just trying to develop my own stuff as well, you know? I'd love to get your take. Did you like Blade Runner 2049? Because I thought it was one of the most amazing movies when that movie yeah, came out. Yeah, I mean, I'm such a fan and I loved it. Now, my personal opinion is I think that's an example of like, you have the director's cut for all the people that love Blade Runner. Yeah. And for the audience, you got to take 20 minutes out because you have an audience now. Was it 30 years later? Uh, has it, was it 30? No. At least, oh, no. there's at least. Actually, you're right. You're right. It's probably about 30. Because it was like 80s, 80s to like 2015, 16, around there. So so then you need to know the new audience. And I feel like that's probably what hurt them a little. Because it was like, I was like, I mean, every second I saw it three times in a week. Yeah. That was Roger Deakins. I saw it twice. It was so good. Yeah, the sound. Yeah, it was incredible. But I think. I haven't seen it, full disclosure. Dude. That's like, I don't know, <laughs> we may have to hang up right now. Yeah, oh, man. But, um, uh, it is, but amazing um, filmmaker uh, thing. But again, like knowing your audience and, and, and two directors that I love that always talked about their audiences was Hitchcock and Spielberg, you know, that always talk about the audience, my audience, like taking my audience on a ride. And I think that that, you know, needed to be thought of for the audience and not just like you can't make a movie for your well you can right. make a movie for yourself but maybe no one will like it you know it's a slow burn the movie's yeah. a slow burn yeah yeah but i think even when they were surveying it people were saying it was too long too yeah. long yeah i, I um, loved it i i couldn't get enough of it but i know it's not for yeah. everybody yeah, um, but they should have had the blade runner you know denny cut and then the one they put in theaters but i i understand yeah it, it, fit into the model of that 
the kind of slow burn of the original and, and that sort of stuff, but you do, you know, audiences change. And so you also got to like think about them and who, who you're speaking to now, you know? Uh, talking about Denny, uh, are you looking forward to Dune? Totally. I just reread the book. Wow. Did you see some of the photos on set, some of the photos that they shared on Instagram? No, I haven't seen them, but I feel like I've probably been in like a, it was at the last few weeks. I'll have to check. Uh, out. I think it just came out a couple of days ago, but uh, oh, yeah. it looks, it looks really cool. Cause you see the costumes and you kind of see a little world a little bit. Yeah. Um, it looks, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Good cast. You know, it should be, should be a good movie. Yeah. Um, I'm anyway, a big, fan, big Nolan fan too. I'm excited. Oh, for new project. Tenant looks great. Yeah. Nolan's Nolan's one of the best for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, before we uh, kind of go to plugs and everything, is, uh, is there anything else that you're working on right now that you want the audience to know about? Um, that well, is a plug. Have, well, that is, I like it. Sure. <laughs> before we get a plug. Um, no, I think I'm just, uh, we're working on Proxy, which is a really cool story based off um, that we're going to be developing a feature for as well. So in Japan, I don't know if you guys know about this, but you can- I know about Japan. You can hire people to pay, play family members or any person, like say you want to redo over your breakup, you can hire someone to come in and break up with you or be your family member or friend. So That's we cool. now have imagined future in Los Angeles where we're uh, following a girl who plays, who works for a company that does that. Oh, that sounds like, like a cool job. Yeah. How do, I get, how do I get that job? <laughs> right? oh, well, that's... it depends. You wait and see what she has to do. So, um, but anyway, so working on that and then, yeah, Banks Films, which is the company I form where um, we've got a couple of movies we're hoping to shoot in Australia this year um, as well, just because I'm Australian and it's a great place to shoot and good tax benefits and stuff like that. So, Awesome. Sounds great. Uh, where can the, uh, the audience find you? Um, I am on my website so now I Sophia Banks S O P H I A Banks.com and you can even email me there. That's where I am. And on Instagram. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We'll make sure to stalk you. You there. want people to email you? I love talking to people. I love talking to people about like, you know, I want to make films for audiences. I like hearing what people like and don't like and and talking with people and people message me and I respond even though I'm slow sometimes. But I mean, I am making movies to entertain people and for their enjoyment. So um, I like talking with people. Is there anything that you've made that's on demand that people could watch right now or is it all on lockdown? It's all on lockdown, but hopefully we'll have something coming out soon. Cool. You know, maybe we, maybe we can send over uh, the short that we made. You can, we can get feedback on that. I would yeah, love that. Yeah, totally. Send it. Send it. It'd be great. Cool. We're about to put that into festivals when they open up again. Um, but yeah, we would love some input. Oh we're, yeah. We're in post. Oh good. You know, one thing I, this is my little, um, kind of trick thing that I think is really helpful, um, is you guys may already do this, but one of the biggest things, cause people ask for notes, right. When they're in editing and they get like all these random notes and this sort of stuff. And what's really good is like, you make like a questionnaire cause at the end of the day, you don't want to ask like, did you like it? Did you hate it? You want to know like questions about um, if the story you were trying to tell landed. So if there's like a plot point, like, does it make sense? Ask, like, 
what happened at this point? What was the person trying to do? Da, 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 da. So you make a question to just get understanding, right? Because a, a film is a communication. And that was really good for us. We did this on, on registered because there was one point when we pulled the kind of string on it, which we fixed, that we found out people weren't getting or they didn't like, you know what I mean? They, but, but they didn't like for a specific reason because they didn't understand. And so right. um, that's like one of the best things. You just do it to like 10 people because you're not asking like, do you like, it doesn't matter. You know, you're right. just asking them like, did they get it? Right. Did the story they makes sense. want them to get? And what will happen is if you do like 10 or 15, you'll get a bunch of other notes, but you'll find one thing maybe that keeps coming up and you're like, okay, we got to fix this thing because everyone was like, who the, who the hell was this guy? Or like, where did the gun come from? You know what I mean? We never saw the gun before or whatever right, right. it is. And so that's like a very useful thing. Awesome. That's good. I like that. Great, great, great info. Appreciate uh, the note there. We'll yeah. have, have to use that next time, actually. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for your time. Oh, really God, appreciate it. So much. Send, me, send me your short. Okay. Yeah, we'd love to share it uh, with you as soon as uh, we're ready to, and I'd uh, love to get your feedback. Yeah. All right. Thank cool. you so much, guys. Thanks, Thanks for your Sophia. time. Thanks, Take Sophia. Care. Bye. Can't wait to see your stuff on TV or whatever. Oh, my God. Me, too. <laughs> hey, okay. that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Take care.